Welcome to the Digital Broker Podcast with me, Ryan Deeds, where we help agents and brokers drive profitability through operational excellence. Welcome to another episode of the Digital Broker Podcast with me, Ryan Deeds, where we discuss agency operations, uh, employee engagement, technological adoption, and all kinds of stuff that help make your agency a better place to work, partner with, and be a customer of. Big shout out to Indio, www.useindio.com for supporting this channel, helping us educate our agencies, and really just making our industry better. If you guys don't know Indio, you should check them out. They take a bunch of data, they make it easier for your customer and your prospects and your clients and partners to fill all that out, and they put it into one place and they make it hyper efficient. So I dig them, and if you don't know them, you should. Today I'm excited. I kind of have a um, a true a, a true like documented thought leader, somebody with all kinds of credentials and all kinds of stuff with us. And it's funny because a lot of people say, "Oh, there's all these thought leaders out there." And I think that there, a lot of people cast themselves as thought leaders. But for me, you know, Billy Williams is is he has the creds behind it, and he he can really get uh, some of the stuff I listen to. I'm like, man, that dude that dude has some 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 experience and some thoughts. So yeah. Billy, thank just you got, for joining. Just me. got common sense, like you and I were talking before the show, Ryan. I, I wear a t-shirt um, pretty much at least once a week that says, "I'm not smart. I can just figure shit out." So I think that's what we really that's where our strength is. I think I told you before before the thing. My thing was I went back, I got my master's, my PhD and all that stuff because I wanted to understand what I just knew. You know, we all have this gut feeling. We all have this common focus, whatever. There were certain things that I just knew, but I couldn't formalize them. So I really pushed the education envelope just to justify or clarify what came natural in my gut. That makes sense? Absolutely. And it, it, and it brings, it kind of harkens back to data for me. Like I remember I walked right. into this agency where I started working and uh, they brought me on as the, the CIO and, and the C, CEO brings me and he says, Ryan, man, we are not efficient. I'm like, well, well, how, help me understand how you know that. He's like, I just have a gut feeling and I have a gut feeling that we're not efficient. I'm like, well, a gut feeling is not great for data. I, let me see if I can go get the data to, to help us understand where we are, right, to, to have some kind of indication that validates or or invalidates your thought. And so I, I totally think that's awesome that you saw some, you wanted to learn more about it, right? You, you had exactly. an interest exactly. and you said, hey, let me go figure this out. So walk me through what you do. How, how do I know you? How does the industry know you, man? It seems like the last year and a half, I've seen you all over the place. And help, help me understand what you do and what you bring. I am an investor. So let me kind of tell you my history a little bit. What happened was I was an all-state agent. Well, let's go back before that. I was commander of Army College Recruiting, meaning if there was a recruiter on a college campus anywhere in the country, they worked for me. They worked for my command. Well, obviously, learning that, I had to understand marketing and relationships and all these other things in order to make that work. And then when I, when I got out of the military, retired from the military, I went to work for Allstate and I went to work as their recruiting guy, you know, who's going to help recruit insurance agents. So I was hiring all these agents, but I personally had no clue what the hell I was doing. Okay. I just knew how to say the, say the right things at the right time to convince people to take an action. Okay. Got it. So uh, I had this gentleman named George Gray. He was Allstate's second African-American insurance agent. 
he called me, he sat me down one day and he said, you know, you're a great guy, but you don't know crap. And I said, yeah, I, I, I kind of feel that way. <laughs> and, you know, and then I uh, had another gentleman named Ron Allen. I think he was their third or fourth African-American insurance agent. He was my direct mentor. And he was like, you know, Billy, you'd be great at this, but you should really take time to learn what you're doing, what you're selling. So I actually resigned from Allstate and open a captive insurance agency for the purpose of learning. That was my whole reason. I never wanted to be an insurance agent, lifelong, you know, my dad and everybody wasn't in this, but I wanted to learn insurance. So I did that for four years and I was a very successful agent for those four years. Because again, for me, life was a library, life was a laboratory. So everything I did in marketing, it had to have a, a I, I use the scientific methodology behind it. It had to have a reason. If I couldn't replicate it, it wasn't science, you know? And so I really thought deep into that. In 2008, Allstate had said, oh, we're gonna let you guys buy agencies and do all this. And so I had a system in place and I said, well, shoot, I'm gonna go buy five, six, seven, eight, ten 10 agencies. I'm gonna be amazing. I'm gonna... And they were like, well, slow down there, killer, slow down. You know, we're not really selling to inside buyers right now. You're not, you're, you're already an existing agent. We're not selling to inside buyers. So I was like, screw that. You know, you're limiting my income. So I immediately sold that agency, started an independent agency. And then there was an older agency in my town that's, that wanted to merge with us. You know, it was an older guy, wanted to retire, wanted to merge. I said, yeah, let's try it. And man, that was my first love. That was like my first foray into investing, mergers and acquisitions. And oh, I, had, I had found my mistress. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and at that point, that's, that became my total focus was how do I acquire other agencies? But I didn't want to own them. I just wanted to be a piece of them. I wanted to bundle them like real estate, like a real estate investment group that shares in buying 30, 40, 50 properties. So for me, insurance agencies were a property and I wanted to invest in that property and then show that efficiency with that property. So that's, that's kind of my journey. And the reason why you've heard about me so much over the last couple of years is once people kind of figured out what I was doing and they realized that I was part of some of the biggest agencies in the country behind the scenes, then it was like, well, hold on, this guy might know a little something. He's on some board of advisors for some big agencies and some big groups. But what really brought me out was Ryan Hanley. Ryan Hanley put me on Elevate 2018, I think, put me on the main stage and said, Billy, talk. He didn't give me a topic. He didn't give me a subject. He said, you got an hour. Go for it. And I was able to just share my thoughts. And from there, it just Jason Cass, Ryan Hanley, you know, Bradley Flowers, those guys have just really kept my name out in the in the mainstream. And so now I, I don't consider myself a thought leader. I'm more the the old man and the young group that they, they come to for the wisdom. I guess that's the best way to look at it. <laughs> I definitely feel like the old man. Every year it seems that I get I, I feel that way more and more, you know. Yeah. So I, I'm there with you. It's funny, I was in the military as well, not for as long as you were, but I've been surrounded by it my whole life. My dad was uh, an, an army guy and I was a military brat, and then I was in the 101st for four years. So okay. I think it, makes, was... it teaches you to think differently. You look at 
you look at the world in a who, what, when, why, where, how kind of format, facts, goals, obstacles, solutions, you know, everything has an acronym. So when I go in and I look at a, an agency, I use salute, size, activity, location, uniform, technical ability, equipment. I mean, I, everything has an acronym for me that I can easily place something into that acronym and be able to just kind of overview it very quickly. And a lot of people can't think that, you know, so I'm, I'm definitely a product of military training. For sure. And I think that for agencies, you know, um, especially as we move forward, one of the things that you talk about a lot is process and process yes. improvement and, and looking at that and figuring out what, uh, you know, how do we, how do we make that the most effective and most efficient? And when I hear that, I think that so, so many people hear that and they're like, oh man, I, we're going to be this, this super drilled down thing, uh, organization. And I actually think it's, it's the opposite. I think if you have good process control, that means that you have really good allocation of employees, right? Yeah. Where, where you're, where you're able to leverage your employees the most effectively and let them do what they like to do the most mm -hmm. as you're trying to take some of the rote task and make it as easy and as, as, um, I call them soul-sucking tasks, right? All Every agency has a multitude of soul-sucking tasks, and every agency manager has their own internal list of that. And so as we take those soul-sucking tasks out, make them a, a good process, put it in place, determine if it's legitimate, you know, how, is it netting the value that we need it to net, and then seeing how we get that knocked out so that the person knows everybody's kind of doing it the same way, because that's a huge part of frustration, right? Is right. you have not, and so as a data person, so much of the stuff that you talk about to me has an end result of good data management because you can't have good data management without good process control. It's impossible, you know? And so I, I really uh, appreciate bringing the limelight to that, I would say. Can you walk me through your salute thing? Can we go through that a little bit slower? <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I have all these different little acronyms that I use. But first, before we go into that, let me just sure. break this down. What most people call processes, I call habits. Okay, that's all they are. So let's think of it like brushing your teeth. If we try to explain to a group of children about brushing your teeth and good oral hygiene, that's a class, that's a three hour class. And the kids, some of them are gonna get it and some of them aren't gonna get it. But after a while, when things become habit, we don't think about it anymore. So you and I, when we wake up in the morning, we don't give ourselves a class on oral hygiene, it's just a habit. You know what I mean? So right. my feel, goal it feels right. Right. My goal is to develop our processes, aka habits, in a way that our staff doesn't have to think of it as a class every time they get ready to process an endorsement, every time a claim happens, every time there's a new customer renewing, or there's a customer renewing, or there's a new customer on the books. That's not a class, but some agencies treat it like a class every single time it's like guys are you kidding me this is like groundhog day right. like you've never processed you've never onboarded a new customer this is all groundhog day oh my god i've never come on guys so i'm, I'm all about developing habits so in the military let's talk about some of the things that we use so salute in the military if i were doing a military operation salute is size activity location uniform, time, and equipment. If I'm getting ready to plan a military operation, I have to look at my salute. You know, I have to know what size element am I dealing with? 
what activity are they doing? Are they retreating? Are they coming forward? Are they flanking? Are they, what are they doing? What is their exact location? Not where I think they are or where I wish they were, but what is their location? What uniform are they in? What you know, time, equipment, all of that. So that's all it is. And when I walk into an agency, I take that military training and I apply it. What's the size of this agency? What's their primary niche? What activity do they live on every single day? What's their location? What's their location, not just physically, but are they on the web? Who's talking to them? Are they in their specific niches or, or audiences that they want to be in? When I look at uniform, a lot of times, a lot of agencies can't write big business because they don't look like they should write big business. I've walked in agencies and you're in, you're in there in a, a wrinkled shirt and you're this and you want to talk to someone about a $10 million annuity. It's not going to happen. You know, time. How much time are we spending on this activity? How much time did I dedicate to teaching that person? What time did I set aside to spot check? What time of the day did I allocate for Judy to do this activity? And what equipment is she going to need? So for me, like I said, I went back to school. I can't say go back because I never really stopped. But I went to school to try to understand what came to me naturally. See, and this is getting off topic for a second, but I think it's still related. We all have things that we are experts at, and we all have things that we have a natural calling for. And there's some people who can't, they can't separate their expertise from their calling. So my calling is to lead organizations. My calling is to teach. My calling is to mentor. That's what I'm supposed to do. Expert or becoming an expert in insurance is just something that I've learned, I've picked up over time. So for me, when I talk about agencies, a lot of times I'll walk into an agency and I can see that agent's calling. That agent's calling might be, dude, you're selling PNC and you really need to be benefits. You know, you've got Judy over here in retention and she sucks at it when her, her real calling is in new sales. So I really try to identify the difference between being an expert at something and having a calling for something. And there are a lot of agents that are trapped because they can't separate those two. They think their calling is to be an expert in insurance, when in actuality, their calling might be to be a manager. Their calling might be to go head up an organization. So for you, for you, Ryan, you're an expert at data analytics. You're an expert at working with organizations. You're an expert at all these different things related to data. But data is also your calling. Can you see yourself literally doing anything in life that does not require you to deal with data in some way? No, because it's, it's, it's how I get anything done. I mean, for me, everything ties back to that, right? Everything tracks back to that. And so it almost sounds like uh, the right seat on the bus kind of, kind of mentality, making sure yes. that we have that, you know, and we see it a lot, right? We see producers matriculate into leaders and then sometimes they stay with that producer mentality because they haven't made that shift over to leadership. And maybe that's not their, maybe that's not their calling. Maybe their calling is to sell business, but they, right. I mean, is that, as we equate it down to that level, is that? Absolutely. Is, absolutely. It's called the Peter principle. 
you know, you're old enough to remember that a lot of your audience won't be, but the Peter principle is we're going to keep promoting you until we find a, something that you suck at, and then we're going to fire you. <laughs> okay. Right. So, and th- a lot of people don't understand that whole Peter principle, and they, they think that the natural plan is, well, Judy was a great marketing assistant. Let's promote her to CSR. Oh, she was awesome at CSR. Let's promote her to, to a licensed sales producer, to an account manager, to a, to a staff. And all of a sudden, Judy gets up there, and she sucks at being, you know, the, the head of this group. And now Judy gets fired. When we, if we had left Judy alone and let her do what she was really, really good at and loved doing and had a calling for, we would have been good. Half the time when I walk into an agency, Ryan, I don't, I don't actually do as much as they think I do. I move the chess pieces around because I can just see that. I'll go, okay, you've got your top producer working retention. You've got the person who is the softest and the cuddliest working sales when they should be in retention. Right. You should reverse that. Right. Just moving the pieces around a lot of times will get the results moving. And then once I can track that with data, once I can justify that with data and once I can reproduce it, because remember guys, girls and girls, guys and girls that are listening, it's not science until you can reproduce it. Okay. And so a lot of these guys get really lucky and do something, but there's no real reason behind them doing it. When you walk into an agency, what are some of the common things that, that are like, okay, I, you know, that you're seeing across the board that give an indication of, I guess for the first question is, do you have kind of a, a, you know, gold, bronze, gold, silver, bronze uh, mechanism as you analyze agencies and see where they fall? And if you do have some kind of gradated scale, what are the key indicators to get them in those different buckets? I mean, as you see it on a, on a broad scope. Wow. That's yeah. That's way too smart for me, man. Just, <laughs> just the, the way that you asked that question, I'm, I'm sitting there going, damn, he's smart. I don't, I don't know what he's talking about. No, when I, when I walk into an agency, I already have an outline. Remember I'm military. So everything for me, when I walk in, there's a, there's a, there's a check, there's a checklist that I have to go down. There are 18 things that I look at when I walk into an agency. I call it my assembly line. I think you've heard me talk about this before, mm-hmm. the assembly line approach to building an insurance agency. So the first thing I look at is your carriers. Where are your carriers? And then I look at the niche. Are you writing what the carriers want? Are you writing what you want? Are you going against the grain? Are you going with the grain? And then we look at your products. I look at your five best prospects, your triggers, your prospect list, your 10 main marketing methods. It's real simple. I just go through and I look at these 18 things and once, once I have those 18 things in my sites, then I look at efficiencies and inefficiencies for those 18 things. So let's take something like text messaging. Text messaging is a huge driver of business, of everything. I, my, my training is technology agnostic. My mentorship is technology agnostic. I literally could not care what tool you use for text messaging. I don't care if you use Google Voice, I don't care if you use easy texting. I just don't want you to use your cell phone. I need something business that I can track. So there are a lot of agencies that are like, oh, Billy, I'm not going to do text messaging until I get this, this technology to talk to this over here and make sure that this all lines up. And then and I'm like, and you're wasting money every moment that you're waiting 
to try to get this perfect technology, you're wasting money. You're losing money. So when I walk into an agency, I'm just looking for the efficiencies of the process. I don't care what the tools are that you use in the process. I don't care if you're using Hawksoft, AMS 360, QQ, Links, you know, Tumeric, I don't care what you use. All I care is that when we use the agency management system, we use it this way, okay? So if we're looking, we're doing an endorsement, we look up by phone number. I don't care what tool you look up by phone number. I don't care if your screen pops. I don't care if, I don't give a damn if your tool won't even allow you to look up by phone number and you have to verify the phone number on the back end and go, well, give me your phone number. Let me make sure I got the right one. I don't care as long as we verify a phone number and it's a mobile number. So perfection, guys, just guys and girls that are listening, perfection is the enemy of success. Please remember that. Perfection is the enemy of success. And the thing that you know, Ryan, and I know, when we look at data, the data just tells us what should happen, okay? What should happen? So when I'm analyzing data and I see a 32% close rate on this particular product, that means that should happen every time or very close to it. And if I see another producer over here that's got a 47% close rate and something over here that has someone that has a 12% close rate and they're talking the same products and they're working the same hours, something's broken. And so now I'm gonna look at the data to figure out what's broken. Is this 47% an anomaly or is the 19% the anomaly? Is it because the 47% is built on referral partnerships where the 19% is built on cold calling? So that's what the data is gonna tell me and the processes are gonna tell me. And that's what agents don't do. They, they get so caught up emotionally in what Miss Jenkins said or what the staff person said and, and another thing while I'm on my little tangent here, buy-in. I'm telling you guys, it, those two words are the absolute disruptors in an agency. I don't need my staff to buy into crap. I just need them to do what I ask them to do. Whether they believe in it, whether they don't believe in it. You don't believe in sending the email? Fine, send it anyway. Well, I just think, okay, great, do this, because I need consistency in order to track. Mm -hmm. If you don't give me consistent actions, I can't give you a, a consistent road plan, a consistent roadmap that we're gonna use. So agents, stop trying to get your people to buy in because you wanna add a process to your agency. Get them to perform the activity. The buy-in will come from the results, or the failure. So if I do this consistently for a month and I can track that it was done consistently for a month and it didn't result in anything, the buy-in is really the buy-out. We're not doing this. But if I do it consistently for a month and whether you believed in doing it or not, the results say this is a good thing to do, then what I know about us as humans, if success is the measuring stick, people always buy into success. It's why everybody is on board with the winner. Why, you know, why popular people become more popular. Why things that are, are kind of good become pricey because everyone buys into success. 
So long story short, get your people to do the activity they're supposed to do, track that activity, and then let the success lead to the buy-in. Don't try to give them buy-in first. Yeah, no, I mean, and I think that that ties in so well. I mean, when I look at agencies and I come into an agency and, and they're like, how do we get our staff to do X, Y, or Z? I'm like, well, first, what was the purpose of X, Y, or Z? Can we, like, I always liked, I mean, I love to be able to show my employees what success looks like. So yes. if we are changing a process, the way that I prefer to do that is say, <clears throat> all right, we're putting a new process in place. We're going to do this for six months. Here's what we hope to see, X, Y, and Z. We're going to show you how you compare against what we expect to see. If in six months we don't see that result, then maybe we'll change it. If not, maybe we'll continue on. And if we do see that result, we're going to do more of it. Yeah. The, the unfortunate thing is agencies too often come up and say on a Tuesday, hey, we're going to do this thing for four months, five months. And then three weeks later, nobody's doing it and there's no <laughs> ramification and there's no way to track it. The CEO actually thinks it's in place. But the account manager is so underwater because they have no process control anywhere else that they can't, they, they just been thrown one more thing that sporadically they'll remember to do it. And then it's a wasted effort, you know, and so then everybody gets frustrated. And so that's why a lot of times I'm like, slow down agencies. Let's not do 20 things at once. Let's pick yeah. one or two things. Let's figure out what needle that's supposed to move. How do we track what, and, and it's work. It's a lot of work. People don't want to do it. You know, the yeah. other thing, the other thing that you said that I think is, is so important I don't care what wrench you use. Right. I care how well you use the wrench. I get that question more than any other. What agency management system will change my life? What CRM is going to make my Salesforce effective? I'm like, well, can you use Excel to track your stuff first to, to, yeah. to be able to determine if your folks can follow? If you have the operational maturity to, to make your folks do what they need to do to be able to see if this is effective. Because if you bring a tool in, and you don't get your folks to leverage it. And a year later, you're like, ah, we didn't get the results out of that. You blame the tool. I very rarely have I ever seen an agency. Yeah, we didn't, we didn't use that effectively because our managers didn't have the power to create the carrot and the stick needed to get our people to move in the right direction, you know, and it drives me insane. So then they just churn software and they look at the software as the problem when yeah. it's really an internal thing. And so I think, the, I, like you said, I don't give a damn what product you use. I way care about how you educate and train on that product yes. and what that process looks like for making sure that your people know how to leverage it the most effectively. Yep. That, that to me is more critical than anything else. Any tool can be leveraged effectively because it exists out there. And I've seen any tool be leveraged effectively. I've also spent, seen a ton of energy be expended by agencies complaining about technology that's failing them. And so often it's not, it's way more about the work they've done to leverage that technology. It's the culture. It's the culture. If you, it is. If you don't have a successful culture, then it doesn't matter who you bring in. Absolutely. So. Okay. Well, I appreciate that very much. I could talk to you for hours, man. And so I, 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 I hope you'll come back on the podcast. Absolutely. I really enjoyed Absolutely. our conversation. Hopefully I've added some value to your listeners. That's what it's all about for me. You've given me something to think about, man. I'm sure you've given them something to think about. If they want to get a hold of you out there in the world, how do they do that? LinkedIn is probably the best way. I'm a, I'm a LinkedIn guy. I don't, you know, I'm not a Facebook. I don't do whatever you don't email me because I'm not going to email you back. I'm not even going to lie. You know, that's what my assistants and VAs are for. But get hook up with me on LinkedIn. If you want to know more about Inspire Nation and what we do, Williams Family Investment Group, just go to inspireanation.org. That's, that's the actual word. Yeah, I know. What about Williams Consulting? That's not what I do. 
Uh, I inspire people to make their, make their life a little bit better. So inspireanation.org. That's the best way. Well, I really appreciate your time today. Listeners, check him out, man. He's got mad, mad stuff to say, and I dig it. I think that uh, there's a lot of alignment between the stuff that he's doing and the end results that you guys are looking for on in a, in a multitude of ways, be that increased revenue, increased data accuracy. And ultimately, I mean, you're going to have, I believe that agencies that don't get there are, are going to be get gone. I really do. I, I don't think they're going to exist. So big shout out to Indio for putting this on www.useindio.com. If you don't know them, you should check them out. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week. This podcast is brought to you by Indio Technologies. Indio simplifies the insurance application process for brokers and their clients. When using Indio, the process is fast, easy, and and free, saving your agency time and money. You can learn more about Indio and register for a one-on-one demo at www.useindio.com slash podcast. That's www.useindio.com slash podcast.